All right, we are live. We have Jared Freed here, who just released his debut special, 37 and Single, on Netflix, debuted in the top 10. So I think we're catching him at a, at a pretty good time here. Jared, how's it going? It's good, man. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it during like a really busy time, no doubt. Yeah, man. It's, uh, I mean, like it's good busy, you know, like what's more fun than, you know, a special coming out, like, you know, go talk about yourself, talk about comedy and like all that stuff. It's been, you know, the greatest kind of like few weeks of my life to tell you the truth. Yeah. All right. That's good to hear. Cause like something I've always kind of wanted to ask someone who's in, in your position, like where you have like this big thing you've worked towards for a long time. Um, you know, it goes very well, like it's well received, the numbers look good. Are like are you able to enjoy it? Or are you too wrapped up in in the moment and the promotion? But it sounds like you are. It's yes and no. You know, you go uh, it's emotional highs and lows, you know, like and I don't know if it's doing well. Like I think it is. I I it's been but like, you know, for, this is to me you know, this is one thing in a, in a career, you know, you have to remember that, like, mm -hmm. with anything, like, it's like, okay, this is a good thing. I hope it helps me keep doing this as long as possible forever, you know, I and, you know, there's a little bit of, you know, and before it comes out, you're like nervous about, it's hard to enjoy like that, you know, it's gonna be on Netflix, because the minute I made it in December 2022, um, paid for it, put, you know, brought Betches in as a co-producer. And the plan, as I saw it, was I'll tape a special. I'll make it the quality that Netflix would has bought before. So, you know, I, I there's kind of take away those rebuttals of like, oh, you use the wrong camera, you know, like you want to take that away. And then I was like, and then I said to Betches, I was like, you know, and I do my podcast with them, you up. And basically I was like, Hey, if you guys want to, you know, I'll pay for it. And if it goes, if it sells, you know, you'll be like, you, you know, we'll go and sell it together. And hopefully your, you know, uh, your, you, you know, the, the, you know, your following, your, you know, the presence you guys have can help push me over the, the goal line, so to speak, because, you know, I don't have the confidence to believe it's me, you know, like it's, uh, you know, uh, I want to take away rebuttals, you know, and I kind of learned that a little bit early on, like you want to take away everything so that you don't think, well, they said no because of this or no because of that. No. So they couldn't say no to me because I didn't have a big enough following anymore because you had betches with you. They couldn't say no to me because I didn't use the right cameras, you know, um, and they being any streamer. And then it had to just be, I needed, it, 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 it had to work down to like, it's just not funny enough for us. We don't think it's funny. And I, I'd rather that, you know, I'd rather that be the answer. So we went around and tried to sell it. And, and then the, the, the backup plan to make sure I felt good about spending the money on it that I did was, okay, at the very least, Betches is going to promote my YouTube page and push people towards that to watch it. And someone will see it, and maybe I'll get new followers, new people, new new whatever. So um, that was the plan going in. And then, you know, it got done editing February, March. And then around that time you go, uh, we took it out to, like, Amazon, um, HBO, and Peacock, and Netflix. And they all said no, and then Netflix was like, it's not a no yet. And then 
you know, around July, the, you know, they're like, oh, we're going to do it. And it's going to happen quick. And it's going to be August 15th. And you're like, oh, oh my wow. God. Yeah. So it was like, and then it, what you realize is you go from emotionally, you know, you go from how could no one buy this? I have the following with Betches. I have a good special that I believe in. I have the cameras that are right. How could no one want this? And then the minute Netflix is like, we're going to buy it, we're going to lease it is the minute you go, how could anyone want this? You know, you go from one to the other. You know? Yeah, dude, that is like the underlying comic sentiment of just like, right. I, I'm the best, I'm the funniest, this is so fucked up, and then the some, second something good comes, it's like, I don't deserve this at all. It's it's like, you just inverts on itself almost. Absolutely, and I, you know, every day from then on has been a back and forth of that, of, uh, of you know, of this is great, this is exciting to, oh my God, did it, did it do enough? Is it is it leading to the next thing? Is it? And I I've been open about that because I think, you know, there is a little bit. You know, Jordana Abraham, who's my co-host for you up, she was like, "This is your wedding. Like this is like your wedding day when it came out." And I was like, "It really is." And I think someone going through a wedding has the same thing where they go, you know, when all the the likes go away and the posts go down and you run out of pictures and. You start thinking, can I put up the one of me and my mom again where I look good? One month that's, anniversary of the best day of my life. Yeah, run right. it back. And, and right, you, you, that's when you start going, uh, maybe I've gnawed on the bone too much and maybe this is what it is. This is what life is. Now I'm married. You know, now I'm <laughs> a guy with a Netflix special. And you keep going. And, and, you know, I had a lot of things on my side. You know, I think as far as like, Ha having it happen in August when I taped in December, I have a whole new hour, like ready yeah. to go on the road with. So like, that's exciting to me. I'm excited for that. Like I'm excited to go on the road and do this new material. Like I have, I'm not like a day, you know, it wasn't a day later it goes on and then I have nothing like I, so, and I can kind of chill out. I can kind of go on the road and do some, you know, do some celebrating and have that drink and not go on stage as much because I am ready to go out and do an hour. So you know, I'm thankful for that. And I'm like, and, and also like, I love doing stand-up. So like, it's not like, you know, the, the next thing is the next show is the next weekend. And, and, uh, so it's like, again, you go back and forth just because you want it all. And you have, you know, you're comparing your success to the success of a ghost. Like the, the idea that someone had a Netflix special and then like Mr. Hollywood pulls up and is like, here's your mansion. Here's your private plane. Uh, you're Dave Chappelle. Like that's not how it goes. Like right. it's just not the reality. So you have to always remind yourself that. And you know, that's kind of where it's, where I'm at now where it's like, it's, it's, it's been awesome, but you know, you have highs and lows as anything. Mm -hmm. But like it, to hear you say like, oh, it's been the best few weeks of my life. That's like really it sounds like you have good perspective and like you're aware of the negatives and like don't put too much stock into them, even if they might like hit you on a bad day or something. Oh, of course. You know, like, again, like all my problems are small, like, mm -hmm. you know, they're luxury issues. You know, it's like it's been a blast. And it's like also like I feel it. You know, I think we as comics, we look for validation. We look for those promotions like. If you become like the partner at a firm, you've worked your way up. You've had like these little tiny increments that get you to partner. We don't have those. So a lot of times we're just like kind of like out in the, you know, in the ether, just like floating, knowing we're getting better. But like no one ever says, 
you've really gotten better, you know, like very, yeah, there's, there's no boss that sits you down at the end of the year where it's like, here's your performance review for the year. You're going to get this right. amount of bonus. You're going to get this promotion or this title. It's all just very nebulous. And like, it's, there's not a lot of concrete feedback happening a lot of the time outside of the feedback you get on stage from the crowd. Absolutely. And I, you know, I did this thing on stage where I would, I make a noise and I was, I really hated this noise and it's in the special a little bit. And I do it cause I have like, I think I just, I've always made it when I laugh, I like make a wheeze and I hate it. And now <laughs> I go on stage and like, I went and watched, I did this like bit in Kentucky last weekend and there's none of that. Like it's, it's, it's a different confidence. Like I really do feel that like, which is like, if that's what comes out of it, that's amazing. I'll be a better comic and I'll be better for it. Like, you know, and already, you know, listen to say nothing's come from it. Like it's, uh, I is stupid. Like it's, it's a great business card. It's a thing that if you're going to come to my show and you're like, Hey, you should come see this guy. Well, where, well, who is he? You know, like mm -hmm. saying you're a comedian is like offensive to people, especially men. You know, like when you yeah, say it's oh, like a, a challenge comedian. almost. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a challenge to the male ego, especially. So like, oh, oh, you think you're funny. You know, it's like that's that's almost a cliche. You think you're funny, but that's said to us all the time. So it, it it's almost like there's no explanation needed anymore, which really kind of feels good. That's good to hear, man. Glad to, glad to hear it, you. you know became what you wanted it to be. And there's there's a lot of great stuff coming out of it. I, I do want to take it like all the way back. Um, first of all, Jared and I met, I believe, on the set of a sketch that Laura Prangley made called Bro Service. Do you remember this? I, I remember Bro Service vaguely. I remember you're from Philly, right? Uh, D.C. D.C. You came up from D.C. I remember that. Mm -hmm. And from you came from the South, you know, that, yeah. that was uh, below, below uh, New Jersey, yeah. below New Jersey. Yeah. And uh, no, I, I what was bro service now that I'm thinking about it? It was a sketch and I actually watched it today. It is like it's from 2013. It's, it says like so 10 funny. years ago on the bottom of the thing. Um, it's like it was a sketch where girls could text a service where if a guy's like aggressively hitting on them, um, the bros would come and like bro him out of the conversation and talk to him <laughs> about like Skrillex tickets or like uh, their fantasy football team. And then the girls can just kind of make their escape. That's very funny. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. That, uh, that's funny. Yeah. When I first started, you know, I, I would write for play. Like to me, like when I first started, it was all about like do something regularly, you know, like I wanted to have like a column that I could write every week. I was putting stuff out for minute one. Right. And you get out of college. Do you move to New York and start comedy immediately? Like, what's what's the genesis of that? No, I, I went to Penn State. Um, I had a great time in college. I, I went, you know, for the, you know, when I think back to, like, why I went to college, where, why I went to Penn State, it was, like, for the experience, the old millennial. I'm going for the experience. I wanted to go to a big football school. I wanted to party. I wanted to meet people. I wanted to have fun. And, you know, I and I went to Penn State and had an economics degree and I really didn't I didn't think of like what I couldn't really put my finger on what I wanted to do like what I was like running towards and I kind of needed that as far as anything that I was like good at what I need to like feel like I could run towards something and I kind of like I lived with a buddy of mine from college and then sold life insurance and annuities and I was taking the tests and I was like, okay, this is something to do. And also like, 
you know, my I'm from outside of Boston and you know, to me, New York was like you go to New York to be successful. You're around successful people, you're around hustlers. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, you know, I think outside of a city like where I'm from, like, you know, Boston, there's hustlers too. Not to say, you know, this is the Northeast, whatever. But, you know, as far as like going to New York is where it's at, like as far right. as you can find every scene. So that was kind of my thought is like, go be around hustlers and be around, you know, there's women and there's young people and stuff. So I, I came to New York, not really thinking of going anywhere else. I don't know why, you know, it just never dawned on me to go home. Um, mm-hmm. And I was selling life insurance and annuities and that's what I was doing. And, and I, I like the first couple of years, I really was like waking up early, going to the gym before work and really trying and not a lot of success, just kind of like, you know, first job out of college and, kind of seeing becoming a little bit um you know just looking at that world like i could see right away like it wasn't really the job for me it was and, and i was kind of jealous of people who loved it because there were people there who like really know, yeah you know like, i think that people love everything like i i, yeah. I kind of was jealous of those people that if you can wake up and convince yourself that you're doing something that you're really good at good for you i just i, you know, I didn't feel good at it i didn't feel it was something that interested me and on the phone in the morning, I'd call my dad and we'd talk about like TV, you know, like talk about like sitcoms and stuff. And um, I remember like I'd be on those big group emails with friends and basically part of my day was doing work. And most of my day was ball busting on a group email with like friends from college and like city friends. And that was it. And I, the more I became kind of like not really into what I was doing with life insurance and annuities, the more I spent like just writing and making fun of friends. And I was like, I kind of was like, how do I do this every day? You know? And, um, you know, I was just like, what is this feels good. Like when someone would go off of the email chain to email me to be like, Oh my God, that made me laugh so hard at my desk. That's kind of what I was trying to get at. I want that feeling. Yeah. The standing ovation of the group, group email almost. Right. And, and if someone talked to me about it, that made me feel good. It made me want to like, do it more. So I was like, how do I do this every day? And I did that kind of drew me towards, you know, comedy is kind of at your fingertips here, like in New York. So I started like taking classes and, you know, like I would, t- cause I, I, I kind of considered it grad school. You know, I would take like sketch writing and improv. I took improv and took it sketch writing and it all helped towards everything I do now. But like, I didn't really think of where I just, I remember talking to my parents about it. I was like, if I end up writing greeting cards and that's what it is, that's what it is. That's uh, I'll be happier doing that. And even now looking back, like on the holidays, I do these like holiday Instagram posts of like happy blank too. I am writing greeting cards. You know, I pitched that as greeting cards. So like, it's funny the way things work out. Um, yeah, I, I love hearing that. And this is something I've talked about with a couple other people on the podcast. It's it's this idea that I've I've read somewhere that like your interests are almost like your future self calling out to you from the future to like let you know like, no, 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 this is the path you got to go down. And the fact that you naturally gravitated towards like away from, you know, the, the life insurance and annuities and just zeroed in on the, the funny emails with your friends and just followed that to its logical conclusion like that. It's it's like... Um, confirmation of that almost yeah you know it's funny because now i do this thing for the bachelor where i write previews of each of the contestants and that is very much similar to me doing those emails back 
you know, after college. Like it's, you know, the, as far as like it being in a list and short paragraphs and like, you know, a set up punch and like making fun of something, but with love in a way that doesn't make the person hate me afterwards, you know, like it, it all kind of led to that. And, and not to say I don't make mistakes I have, and I probably will, but I'm saying that's kind of it, it, what you're saying is so true. Like those, those posts about the bachelor that lead into the show are so much like what I used to do. And so when does that actually, like once you get started with all that, taking the classes and, and start moving down that path, when does the, when do the scales tip from like, you're a insurance salesman that like does comedy stuff on the side and it starts moving all the way over to like full-time comedy. I started right away. I saw it as literally grad school. I was like, I had savings. I had some bar mitzvah money put away. This is what it is. Like, mm -hmm. this is my life, you know? And there was no thought of like, I just, I kind of watched myself at a certain point with life insurance stuff. I was like half doing it. Just my, my energy wasn't all there. And yeah. I, I, I saw that and I was like, that's just not how I have ever been successful in, in anything. Like I either had to like really go after something or I was going to be lazy and half do it. And so I was in a lucky position where I could just be like, okay, that's it. This is me going to, you know, law school. And I took all these classes while also like, uh, you know, the thing that life insurance gave me was the ability to like pitch people and cold call. And I, that's what I, cause I would make 300 dials a day. So like, whoa, you, you would kind of learn. And that's where I learned the phrase, you know, the term rebuttals, taking away rebuttals. Like it, it was really a practice for persistence and being pleasantly persistent. You know, like when it came to bookers or it came to, you know, hey, we might need a writer for this to do this, you know, this campaign for, you know, whatever we're doing. Like, you know, I'd get a friend of a friend. Hey, you should meet this person. They're looking for someone to write for this or they're looking for an opener for this. I knew how to organize myself to follow up with people in a way that wasn't. I always called it pleasantly persistent. Like when I would cold call someone, I'd be like, I cold call them. And I'd be like, hey, we want to do financial planning for you. And then they'd be like, well, we can't meet this week. How about in a year? People would say to you, call me back in a year. <laughs> and I all you, there's nothing you can say to someone who says, call me back in a year. Or you can really only just take them at their word. And people, I said this to my brother when he was like working through his own stuff. I was like, people don't answer your first email. They don't answer your second email. They always answer your third. Like, in a human way, they don't – oh, this person got back to me three times after I told them on the exact date they told me to get back to them? Wow, they must really, you know, want something yeah. Or they me. almost, like, feel guilty or feel bad for you. It's like, of let course. me just give them, like, a little something. Yeah, of course. And I just kept up with a lot of con uh, contacts in that way that, you know, when the special came out, I got emails back from, like, so many people that I was emailing with, like, literally a decade ago whoa I, I had one guy he wrote me 13 years ago he he wrote back to an email from 13 years ago when the special came out <laughs> that's and crazy also i'm still stuck on 300 dials a day because i yeah. had cold calling jobs where i had to do 70 and that like wore me down to the bone but that's it's a, uh, it's, it's a lot of no's but like mm -hmm. you know and it, you know it, it does 
make you more real with yourself. It makes you more real with like, you know, my dad always says like, it's nothing personal. It's just money, you know, like, and that's the same for comedy. Like we, you know, you, I think I was very lucky that very early on this and a lot of comics, I don't think, think that in the first day they started, like, like, do you, do you want this to be your job? Or are you looking for friends? Like, that's like, you know, like that's, Again, like I would go to like, I remember going to the creek in the cave and it was like, you know, it was a lot of like, you know, it was a little bit lost boys. Like I got to find my family here in this big city. And it's like, I I didn't really need that. Some people do need that and good for them. But like, I wanted to like make this a career while also doing something I really enjoy doing, you know? So how do you do, you know, so, and that's tough to split the social from the, I'm going for something at the same yeah, time. Yeah, especially with comedy. I mean, I'm sure it's, it is like this with anything with sales, with regular jobs. I'm sure being an accountant has elements of this. But it, like a lot of it is like, yeah, there is that social element of do people like you? And it's – you talk about that thing of, you know, it's not personal. I Like I think with comedy that can be difficult because in your own mind, like, oh, this is me up there. This is like my personality. This is who I am. This is, right. this is what I'm trying to showcase. And if that gets rejected by an audience or by a booker or by a gatekeeper, that that can really like crush your spirits. It's very personal. It's in, it, but it's it's personal that I don't think you can make me money. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah. And, yeah. and that's really whether you want to believe that or not. I I think that's the truth. You know, like, you know, I. I want to work with your friends. I want to like make friends. I want people to like me. Um, and I'm sure when I first started out, like, you know, I, uh, maybe that my attitude put people off and then they, you know, it took them a minute to kind of like soften up to what I was doing. You know, I was going to four open mics a night, you know, I was doing, you know, I was the one walking around with tape and a piece of paper to tape the list to the door of Eastville and put my name number three. So I knew exactly what time to come back, you know? So I could understand why someone would look at that and be like, fucking dick. You know, like I, I also, those those list mics, like write your name out. Those those are never fairly operated. If anyone's getting mad about that, they can, they can go do something else. I agree. But like I, to me, I wasn't looking to like be the best at the list mic, you know, like I was looking for other things. This was a means to an end. And, and if I, and again, through comedy, I've made some really, some of the best friends that I have, you know, and you know, that's been like an amazing added bonus. Um, um, but I remember starting out like I really went hard because I was like, I don't want to be in this spot. You know, like I, I want to go do the shows. I do want to do the road. I want to go to all over the country. Like I want to learn like what it's like to host at a club, but also do the Brooklyn show. So I did them all, you know, and still, you know, if someone said to me, now you build up this armor where it's like, okay, what's the room? What's the scenario? What's the material? You know, it all leads to now. Yeah. You're like, you're battle tested. Right. Um, so you just quit the annuities job and you just dove full time into comedy. Yeah. All right. So I remember when I moved here, yeah, cause you were on a lot of shows, but you're also writing for total frat move. Was it? I think a while TFM, back bro Bible, you know, there was a, a bunch of them betches at the time, even betches, mm-hmm. you know, at the, at, uh, early on, I basically wanted a presence every week on the internet. I was like, I wanted something to send to people. 
something that someone could become a fan of me. And, you know, I kind of, that whole old school nature, like that old school uh, thought of like, I'll be cast as the friend on a sitcom. Like (laughs) that wasn't, the sitcoms were going away. Like I'm not an actor. Um, I, I kind of saw that like the guy code thing passed me by. It didn't really happen for me with that. And it's like, okay, well, if that's the one thing, like how do I create my own places to do stuff where I can make my own shows? And that's like, you know, so I would write for these places in exchange for promotion. I'd be like, Hey, pitch them on like, Hey, I'm a comedian. I have these things that I've written. I would love to write a weekly column for you guys. Just like, like cold emailing that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'd basically be like, here's, the, I want it written at the end of it. Jared Fried is a New York City comedian. Please follow him here. Um, and, you know, there's some, and then that turned into the podcast. Like, I, I was listening to the podcast. I wanted to start my own podcast. And then I, you know, Total Frat Move had a million Twitter followers. And I was like, okay, wow. you guys can promote. Uh, how about I start a podcast for you? And they were like, what's a podcast? I was like, perfect. I'll find a studio, you promote it, I'll host it. Done. I'll make it happen. And putting those people together was like, and then at the time, I didn't think of it as a place to have ad revenue. Mm -hmm. You know, like I thought of it as my own direct line of communication to someone who could buy a ticket to a show. Right. So it's just this idea of like, I'm going to do all of these things that are going to kind of service people getting to know me and being interested in me. So the, the goal isn't when you're doing these things, it's not, not to make money. It's just like a upward sloping graph of like interest, followers, fans, everything. Butts and seats. You mm-hmm. know, if, if someone likes what I do, they'll come to the live show. They didn't, you know, and that was the thing. Like when I first started doing, you know, doing the road, I was doing stand up all during this, you know, like during all of this, I'm doing stand up. So like, you know, while at night I'm out doing, you know, preparing for something i don't know if will ever happen but that's what was my plan like you know when i go on the road i want people to go oh my god like i didn't even realize and that was like a, a it was very nice to get that like i would go to like you know people would come because when people started coming to shows it would be because oh i read his thing or i listen to the podcast and it was like the bachelor and it, it, it was mostly women and then the women would bring their boyfriends and you know the boyfriends would think like What's this bachelor guy? This guy thinks do? he's they, funnier than me and he watches The Bachelor. Yeah. Right. He must Skeptical. be pandering. They thought I was like and then I would do me and it was a real show. Like it was as good as, you know, as anyone you would see on the road. And I, you know, I could I could see in their react Whoa, we had no idea. You know, you could see <laughs> He's, he's a real time. comedian. Yeah. Right, right. And because the thing is you get it, it's funny because and maybe not as much anymore, but you kind of get punished in the viewpoint of like for doing other things, you know, mm-hmm. you get like, you know, if you don't just do this solitary stand-up lifestyle that honestly, to me, that didn't really, I, I, you know, you could count on one hand how many comics before the internet were just stand-ups. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like Regan, uh, you know, like you, you could go Earthquake, you could go, <laughs> uh, I mean, like if you think about it, uh, Tammy Pescatelli, you know, they, these were all people that weren't, ju- you know, on the the friend on a sitcom. Like, you know, look at someone like Ray Romano. Like, everybody loves Raymond, gets you to the show. Brad Garrett, you see him. Oh, I, I know him from the show. You know, like, and it's like, okay, well, 
nowadays we're seeing it now, like with all the clips that their people are putting out, like we're our own, you know, vehicle to be the friend on the sitcom, you know? Yeah. I, I think I heard Andrew Schultz talk about this on, on some podcast once about how like that kind of was the idea, you know, from the eighties and nineties. And I think it kind of had a holdover into like the early to mid two thousands where it's like, Oh, you get cast on a thing and that'll get people to the show. But it's like, if people are going to buy a ticket to something like they're not going to buy a ticket to really to see for, for if they're going to buy a ticket to see you do stand up, they want to know that you can do stand up or like they, they want or they'll come once, but maybe not a second or third time, you know? Right. Well, that's the thing. Do you have an act to back up what they know you from? Mm -hmm. You know, like I, I think that they'll come once, you know, oh, OK. And then honestly, you're doing stand up for their friend. You know, the people that know you from the Internet right. like you and then the friend I heard Steve Ranazizi say that on stage and it was like very, it was smart. He was like, your friend doesn't know who I am. And on the way back, they're going to go, you did a good job or you did a bad job. Can't believe and, you want me to see this guy or wow, that was great. Right. And you'll be the hero or the loser. And it takes, and I've always said that to my credit. I'm like, uh, like whoever comes to see me, I'm like, you took a shot and, you, and thank you. You know, like now with a Netflix special, you hope it's like less of a shot, you know, mm -hmm. like they, they can, they can go. And now that you, there's vehicles to put it out there. Yeah. There's more places to put stand up. Oh, I can go look them up. And I think also people just know stand up a little bit more than maybe they did 10 years ago. They know mm -hmm. people, you know, it's, it's in the, it's, it's out there. You get like the full 360 view because like a lot of guys have podcasts now. So you're familiar with them on stage and off stage. Or like you think of someone like um, Tom Segura and, and Christina P where it's like their marriage, right? They're, they're, they're married, right? Yes. Yeah. So it's like their marriage is a part of it. So it's like almost, it almost feels like an MCU of comedy kind of where you have right. all these different stories that, that kind of combine together into one overarching product. But it's, it's when it's just one person on stage, it's like a deeper, sort of understanding of who they are as a person. I think that opens up avenues for material too. Oh, for sure. And it's like, you know, the, the hardest is like, you have to make sure you know what you're going to talk about on stage versus a podcast. Like, you know, like sometimes you can t tell the story. You're like, Oh, that should be, that's good for on stage. So like, you'll have some people that are going, well, I kind of heard this. So it has to be like different enough. It has to be performed enough to make it better than the podcast. So like, and you have to make those decisions. Yeah. Um, so when you're, so you make this jump, you're building this, this following, like at what point do, do things start feeling kind of secure for you? Um, where you're like, they you're still don't. Kind of, they don't, okay. Yeah. It never, <laughs> never ends. Yeah. That's, no, that's, it never ends. Like, you know, I think, you know, I did again, like taking away rebuttals is like always the thing. Like I did new faces in Montreal, which like insiders would be like, okay, that takes away rebuttals from like really inside comedy people. And I did that and it didn't, it went fine, but I knew it wasn't going to change my life. I remember doing the show and getting off stage and being like, that wasn't it. What year did you do it? 20, maybe, well, 2017, 2018. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. Is I feel like I could be so wrong about this, but I feel like that's like around, like around the time it stopped being as important. Cause again, I remember like when I moved here 10 years ago, it was like Montreal, Montreal, Montreal. Right. But like as the years have gone on, there's when I say important, I mean like comics aren't putting all their eggs in that basket. They know there's so many other avenues to totally. make, a, I, make a living or build a career. Well, I, I would say this, everyone 
I think since the first Montreal Comedy Festival, everyone has said it mattered more before than I think right. people have been saying that since year one. Like, oh, it oh, it used to be, used to be, mm-hmm. used to be. To me, it's the same. Just like I said with the Netflix special, like you know, it's another thing in a career, you know, and it takes away again. I keep coming back to the rebuttal because. No, you know, I, I didn't go in. Oh, well, have they done Montreal? Like, it's just one of those things that people say without knowing or caring. They just, yeah. you know, oh, oh, but when you say I've done it, okay, now we're we're past that subject. Mm-hmm. It's like, like one list on a, a one thing on a cumulative list, basically. Right. Get it, get it out. Oh, okay. So approved, approved, approved. Okay. You know, all these things matter and they don't. Nothing matters if you get to where you want to go, you know, mm-hmm. like, and then everything matters if. You look back and you go, well, if I, because I do think it matters. Like, I do think it's, you know, one of those things that you go, I, I, having done it means I never had to like think about it again. It wasn't right. on my mind. And I remember from that, I ended up hosting a game show on Snapchat that got me like, you know, a little bit on the road and I, it got me to like do stuff and it got me like, you know, it got agents paid and, and saw that like I could bring money in. And that's a part of this that, you know, people have to kind of admit to. And then it, 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 um, and then soon after that, um, I had, um, started the podcast before that. And Betches was like, we want, I had the Betches on my podcast and as a guest, and they're like, we want to start something. And I was like, well, let me, I did one email. I was like, hey, I'll set you up with the people who, set mine up as far as a production standpoint and they would do their podcast and then they were like hey we want to start a new one where we talk about dating from the guy and male female point of view and i was like okay uh that sounds great and i had always thought that my show was for women more than men and connected with women in a way that was like very different and i'd say from then on from that is when things kind of like solidified as far as like you know, the way Betches does things is, like, amazing. They're, like, a major company. Like, they added organization. You know, Jordana's a great co-host. And we're in a space on a subject that could be very mean coming from a guy and could be very icky. And they allowed me to be kind of, you know, have, as I've said from the beginning, like, a difficult conversation in a very, like, safe space. And like, I feel like when you kind of talk about this stuff, it, it never comes from like a mean spirited place. It comes from kind of like a sensitive, authentic place. Yeah. You have to give advice first, be funny second. Like, mm-hmm. I, and, and that took time to realize, like I, when I talk about dating stuff, it's always like, you know, in the beginning, you're like, oh, let's just talk about, you know, dating and being dudes and whatever. And then it's like, you realize that this isn't fun for everybody <laughs> and it, it's not always fun for me, you know? So you know, you have to realize that for some people, they are the most successful people and crushing it and everything. And then they can't figure out the dating thing. And mm. you have to be, I, I don't know if the word sensitive is right. I, I guess I have, I, you have to be aware of that, that like there are people that really want to talk about these things. And I do too. And that's when it works, when we can be both real and sensitive and caring and also, you know, funny about it, make it positive. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like, like, be empathetic with each other. Right. I, and like, listen, I, you know, we as comics, we are the most sensitive people in the world. We feel everything. We hear everything. So mm-hmm. 
when we, I, it's kind of our power, you know, to be like, oh, well, I know what your response is going to be. I know how it makes you feel. I understand why you'd feel that way. You're not crazy for that. And here's also an answer to the question. Right. I want to ask you about something. I remember you, and it's like related to dating and comedy. I remember a few years back, you posted something. I think it was on Facebook because it was a little longer. And it really stuck with me where you wrote about how you have these friends that are like trying to set you up with like their friends that are your guy's age and, and kind of your response to that is like, look, Jewish women in their thirties do not play around and neither do their mothers. And I am not <laughs> in a position right. at, with like my touring schedule and the things I'm trying to do with comedy where I can give them the things they want in the time frame they're looking for. And it's not that you're not interested in these women or not attracted to them. You know, it's just the reality of your life and your profession. So I think the ultimate question is really just like, you know, you talk about in your special, how like kind of your personal hangups affect your dating, but like how has the logistics and the lifestyle of being a touring successful comedian affected your dating life? Um, it's hard to answer because, you, you know, you it's like a chicken or egg thing. I agree with what you're telling me I said. You know, like mm -hmm. I think... I think I, and that is to let someone know that I'm not ready for the things I want to be able to give someone. Some people don't want for that, you know, like, and that's okay. Uh, you know, I think like wanting a certain responsibility in a relationship is individualized, you know, like some people want the responsibility of someone else. Some people want you know, it, again, these are like love language things. You know, the love languages all get, when it comes to a woman's love language, everyone, oh, yeah, of course, whatever she wants. You know, I, I think a male love language is being able to, like, be in a position where you feel worth and value in the relationship. And worth meaning you're bringing worth and value to it? or right, the ability to do the things that maybe your significant other wants to do or be able to take the time from work and split work from life. You know, mm -hmm. and I think like being a comic, it's a lifestyle. It's not, it doesn't, you know, and, and, you know, I come back off of that a little bit because again, back to chicken or egg, like if the, if I was so blown away by someone, would I have put aside these other things? I don't know. I, 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 I don't know if I have the, I don't think I operate that way. So Sometimes it feels like an excuse to say the comedy stuff. And then sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes I'm like, I, I do believe, believe in those things. Cause like now with schedule, like, like I haven't been on stage in New York city the last couple of weeks. I haven't done that in like forever. Like just <laughs> like last night I was in town. If I'm in town, I put in for spots, you know, like, but last night I was in town. I, I, I went and got ice cream. You know, like I, you know, I, you I know. saw the not safe for work Instagram yes. story. Yeah, you really yeah. went to town on that shit. I had to go. Yeah. And, and that's something that like, I don't think I would have been able to do before feeling secure the way I do now. And right. I, I, I don't know if I am, should be embarrassed of that or, you know, I, I also like, I don't know, maybe I'm too hard on myself, but like, I'm like, you know, there is like a thing where I'm like, maybe if I didn't drink alcohol, that's the room I needed to like meet a woman and give her the time, you know, like, cause I did. I, and here's the other thing I lived with 
a significant other for a time and then we broke up and we moved out and you know in that sense I, I i felt like i was a good relationship i felt it was good but then you know i i i did you know where i was at fault and felt really kind of guilty about it is like i was always thinking of comedy first so like mm-hmm. that can make it seem like you don't care about someone, which isn't the truth, you know? And, and sometimes that would be feedback to me where it's like, well, I know I'll always come after a show. And it's like, well, I don't want to believe that I'm that way. You know, like I, right. you know, you don't want to believe you're that way, but then maybe you are. And, or maybe, maybe you need to readjust your priorities. But if I had readjust my priorities, would I be, I don't know. You, It's a lot of like, I don't know. I wish I had yeah, it's, a better It's a answer. lot wrapped up like together and it's, it's hard to kind of parse it out. I mean, like what I hear just talking to you is you're a person who's like very driven and very clear on what you want and, and very clear on what your, how your wants and goals affect your life. And, but also what I'm hearing too is after these past few weeks, cause again, this has been a huge turnaround where like it was initially maybe going to just be on YouTube and now mm. it's on Netflix, you know? And like, right. that's, like the one month turnover that's that's a big thing you know it's like yeah imagine like getting proposed to and then getting married a month later you know you basically comedy eloped essentially yeah Um, yeah yeah, you're totally right but you it sounds like you feel like the fact that you were able to take last night off and feel not feel guilt about it i think that is something comics struggle with a lot is the guilt of am i working hard enough like to me that sounds like there's a little bit of space opening up where in the past there might not have been but i think you know if you have any guilt about that in the past, I, like to me, it's at least you acknowledged or were aware of, you know, I don't want to say priorities because again, just because you do a show doesn't mean you don't care about somebody else, but just because you were aware of how that would affect your life and your dating, I think, you know, a lot of comics certainly can't, can't make that distinction. Right. I didn't, you know, I guess my biggest fear was making my dream someone else's problem. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I thought about that a lot where I was like, I, it was easier for me to just be like on my own and answer to nobody. Um, and that's probably why at like 10 months, I, that was like my expiration date with a lot of relationships. I would get to this like big moment of like, okay, you got to commit, you got to move in, you got to do the next thing. And then I'm like, also, I'd be kind of giving them, you know, custody of my child, the comedy. <laughs> like and yeah you know i i for me and maybe that goes to confidence you know like i think about that a lot maybe i didn't have the confidence maybe i didn't have the i you know i went i like I, a lot of that comes down to confidence like okay well you you're gonna be fine kid <laughs> you know like, yeah i i can say that to me because i travel light you know, like I'm in a studio apartment. I know I can afford what I do. I don't really spend too much and go crazy. I, you know, I'm mobile, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, um, and I don't think, you know, sometimes, you know, the response could be like, well, who's asking for you to pay for them to do whatever. I'm not saying they are. I'm just saying that's what makes me feel better knowing, you know? Yeah, I mean, there there is like uh, relationships have a financial cost just because you're out doing more activities together and doing stuff. And like also the, the time commitment too. like um, I never saw that Saw movie that, that Chris Rock was in, but I heard the line in the trailer that he had where it's like, 
my problem in my marriage was I didn't give my wife enough Saturdays. Like you can give your wife 500 Tuesday nights. It wouldn't equal the same thing as a Saturday. But if I you're mean, doing four spots at the comedy cellar on a Saturday, right. you have to work a date night around that or cancel them all together like that. That can be a difficult move to make, you know? Also the headspace of like, you know, you know, this goes back to like, if maybe if you, if I was more organized, then I would be better, you know, like, you know, like how I write before going on stage. Like I listen to sets and then I go on and then I write, you know, like, um, you know, maybe if I wrote first and then, you know, and took my hour a day to like, you know, to Do write your morning and, pages in your journal, all that stuff. Right, yeah. But that's just, you know, that's just not how I've ever been. That's not for how I did homework in high school. That's not how I studied it in college. You know, why is today different than any other day? You know, like, and then you go, well, this is, you know, I'm 38. This is who you are, you know, like, mm -hmm. um, and then that that's worrisome in itself. You know, like <laughs> you know, like, oh, when I get when I become an adult, I'll change. It's like, well, you're fucking thirty eight, yeah. dude. You know, it's pretty over. close. Yeah. I'll tell I'll tell you just from my personal perspective, as a guy who, you know, devotes a lot of time, like this podcast takes up a lot of time, comedy takes sure. up a lot of time, and I have to balance it with my marriage and like owning a dog and work yeah. and all that stuff. I the 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 moment that real things really like the light bulb kind of clicked for me because I've I always had that same problem in relationships too where like I've I've had multiple girls and relationships because of comedy right um right. and like what the what it was with me and my wife we've been together for a couple years and we were like talking about moving in together and like in my mind I was like all right I don't want to break up but like to me moving in that means you're gonna get married like do I want to marry this person right. you know um and then I like around that time I was doing Caroline's March Madness. And I lost in a way that I thought was like kind of bullshit. And like mm. all I wanted to do was just like go home and sulk and like, you know, be mad about it and sit in right. my shit or whatever. But I had promised her that I would come over to her apartment and hang out. And within 10 minutes of being there, not only was I no longer in a bad mood, I was in a good mood. And that's right. when things kind of flipped for me where it's like, okay, like this, this stop viewing a relationship as a potential roadblock to your career. But like right. without that kind of moment, I don't know if I would have, it would have taken me longer to get there. I don't know. That, I mean, that's like a beautiful thing, you know, like that's what, it, that's the hope, you know, is mm -hmm. that someone you're not sitting at her apartment going, well, I could have been a wherever, you know, yeah. I could have gone to the open mic to, to, you know, to rinse off the loss Mm -hmm. you know that this person made me feel good about it and better yeah that's like the goal I, I would think yeah i think the goal i heard john mayer say this one time in an interview and like your your anyone's mileage on john mayer may vary but like right. i always thought this is a really interesting point of view he goes you know i, I wanted um an uh, a typical home life with an atypical day job basically like he wants to be a musician with a wife and kid at home I and mean, it sounds like that's something you want for yourself too, definitely. That, that's where I'm at. That's like really like there's a scene at the end and it's both worrisome and gives you hope. Mm -hmm. If you go watch Ray Romano's special on Netflix, it's the one from the cellar. And at the end, it's like him and his family getting pizza Joe's afterwards. And he just did jokes about they're all stories about his family and like when i first saw ray romano on stage it was like oh this guy's like fucking awesome and it's not like it's like he isn't changing his language to be clean or whatever it was just like very him and then like he 
someone told me that like he's the guy that never bombed at the cellar like like any, oh wow any crowd he'd just go in and just like he could turn them this is something i heard you know and this is b- before everybody loves raymond he was just a comic in new york comic in new york at the cellar and like he was the guy that like whatever time of night he went on and just like captured them in in a way that no you know and and you see it from the special because he's like a real guy and he's like telling stories like I think he's got like a joke about like pubes and you're like Ray Romano's talking about pubes you know like, yeah it was like this is this isn't CBS man <laughs> right 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 but it didn't feel gratuitous it, it felt very worked on and then at the end he's like he finishes the special and it's just like that was the job and he goes with his wife and kids and they go to Joe's and have pizza and you're like oh man that's what kind of John Mayer was talking about like the <laughs> the atypical job with the typical family. But then, you know, it's also worrisome because you're like, yeah, I'm I'm saying, I'm like, oh, it can happen if I get a sitcom that pays me a billion dollars, you know, like, you know, so you go, is it again? With with 90s streaming (laughs) or 90s residual rules on syndication. Yeah. The whole thing, man. Oh, dude. So you, 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 you have a moment where you're like, ah, it can, it can work. And then you go, Oh, wait a minute, you know, like, yeah. Scott. But do you talk to like, you know, older comics at the cellar guys that have families about how they, they blend it all together? Like, cause I'm sure it's a struggle for some, some are better at it. Like, do you, do you talk with these guys about that stuff? It's a good idea. I probably, <laughs> probably should. <laughs> I, I've, you know, here and there, I, I, you know, the ones that, the ones that talk about it outwardly, the, you know, are the ones that you're like, that scare the shit out of you. Mm-hmm. Um, the one I would, I should probably, that's a good idea. I, I think like, because I would like to hear how they work it out. Like, you know, there's a piece of me that's like, you know, you want to, you know, you want to like have New York and be able to do New York while also like get somewhere else, just get out of here. And, yeah. Breathe fresh air. Right. Hudson right. Valley, dude. Hudson Valley is Westchester. That's, that's gotta be the dream just by like, you know, a river or something with some trees right. around and then take and the train into the city, do your spots, go home. You're the weirdo who goes in. What does that guy do as a comedian? Yeah. You know, like, I don't know. There's a, there's a thought in that, but then just like bleary eye dropping the kids off at the bus stop the next day. Like I was up, you know, get home at like two in the morning and like dropping right. them off at seven. Like, you know, but yeah, that's right. I mean, it sounds crazy, but yeah, that, that is the goal, I think, for for a lot, of, a lot of people who have those aspirations. Yeah, and then you go, well, it, you know, right now where I'm at, like, I'm trying to pare down while also not, like, you know, losing, you know? Like, so, like, I have three podcasts, you know? Like, I do The Bachelor. I, I go on the road. Like, I do the shows in New York. Like, I, it's somewhere I, I don't have the energy for that forever. You know, you got to mm-hmm. find where you silo things down to, but you know, I don't know. I, I, I have the energy now, you know? Yeah. I know. So it's like, might as well do it before you can't do it anymore. Right. Um, then you, then you look back at this moment, you go, Oh, that was the moment he decided to become crazy. You know? like, <laughs> Just become one of those like wild guys that never leaves New York. Mm. Like, dude, that's, I don't know if you watch like Bravo or anything too, but like the, what I love about the older real housewives in New York Every housewife in in each city is like crazy in a very specific way, but like yeah. that to me, housewives in New York really highlights the kind of crazy that New York drives you because they're all just very like 
just completely fried mentally and very like high energy, but just off the rails a lot of the time. Right. It's always a hustle. It's always yeah. no matter what they're doing. Like it doesn't matter how much they got in the bank. They're still, it's the, it's the, I have to get this done. I have to, yeah. People have to go by my word, you know, Ramona's got to tell you that she has 50 best girlfriends like that kind of, that kind of <laughs> crap. Right. Um. So it's with the special and everything. And, you know, you talk about like, a good couple weeks and, and maybe like a changing viewpoint. So you kind of get to this point that a lot of people try to get to, you have a special comes out that, you know, is well received. And it sounds like, what's like, where's your goal going forward? Is it just like, enjoy being on the road, work the new hour, like continue, like just enjoy the experience. Or do you have other things that you're trying to build towards professional or personal? I'm enjoying, I want to be more organized. I, I have some like, you know, I like, I, I want to be more organized. It's like as as boring as that sounds. Like I have this new hour. Like at the end of the special, there's a uh, in the credits. It's a video. I put hidden cameras in the green room with your your parents talking with about the parents. Rockettes. Yeah, talking about the Rockettes and like the whole new hour that I'm doing on the road is all about my family and talking about like going to the beach together. And it's been like the greatest pleasure to like do that material. And like I think the one thing. Like if there's a comedian out there listening or whatever, like, you know, I hate this phrase, but it's like a very like douchey Gary V. Mm -hmm. Like the idea of like burning the boats, like yeah. the idea of like, like not going back to the material. And like, I did have a lot of like anxiety of like, who am I to get rid of material? I, I would always think that like, who am I with no special, no Netflix, no whatever to just burn material and say goodbye to it. Like, but you don't write the next thing you should be talking about. And, and until you say goodbye to the last stuff. And, and also you, you outgrow the old stuff too. It's right. not the same point of view that you initially wrote it from, you know, you don't, right. your, your life is different. And, but that's the thing. Like I can talk about dating now in a way that's very current to my life that, you know, the special, it was current to my life. It was something I was dealing with, but like, now the stuff I'm talking about, I'm like, I am like in it. Like I really, and you know, I, I think it's, it's definitely like, I'm like really excited to like go and I'm going to do a couple of theaters. Like it is a theater show. Like it is a, and I did it in Kentucky last weekend and I did it in Raleigh the weekend before and to see like, and like the, the big thing is like, I, I didn't want to be, I want to be a comedian. Like I didn't want to be like a bro comic or I didn't want to be like a, I'm not a shocking person. Like I'm not like a, I'm, I'm pretty normal. So like you watch I, the bachelor, you, I, you know, like this. Yeah. I, I know who I am more today than I did when I first started doing stand up. And like to see people like hit their dad and be like, he's talking about you, you fucking asshole. Like that's the way <laughs> I would be with my dad, you know? So yeah. I, I, it's really made me feel good. So I'm like, I hope that this stuff leads to me being able to do that stuff in, in a way that's like, cause I, you know, I look back, you know, you look at yourself on tape, you go, Oh, what the fuck am I doing there? I'm making that noise there. I'm, I, I, I would have said it this way. Now I want, you know, I feel that this has opened me up in a way to like be my real self. As, and I, again, this isn't me saying I was a liar. I was a big fraud. I'm just like, it feel I feel more myself on stage than I did before. Yeah, that's great. Like you, you get you become 
like your your voice and who you are become more aligned the more you do it it's it is like the most difficult thing with comedy and it's it sounds so great that like you know you're you're loving this new hour because you're in in the middle of it personally it has to help the performance too because they're not just words on a page that you're performing you're like you're you're living it and that's one of the craziest things about comedy and just art in general is like it, like that you can't put it into words you can't describe it, but like, it's like porn, you know it when you see it. And like, you can always tell when, when someone's really like coming from right here, you know, like right. coming from their, 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 their spirit. I've, you know, I was doing it at the cellar and I, my parents came to visit and this was like a couple months ago and like the staff, like all the wait staff, they're like, have they seen it? They're going to see like you talk about them. And I'm like, yeah. And then they were like, you know, it was cool to have, the people that there that work there be like, let's see what they. Are your parents gonna be mad? <laughs> let's they watch them weird? watch the show, right? And and then my parents were like dying laughing because all the stories are true. Like, you know, we, you know, like what they did is what they did, and what I my response was my always my response. So, yeah, I don't know. Like I I the in the same way like my when I started comedy it wasn't like a I never thought of like being famous like that that never and i think that's most comics like i think most people we know and saw at open mics it wasn't like you just want to like be a comedian you know like you want to do it you want to yeah, do it a lot do it yeah and do it a lot and do it at, and 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 not have someone go well i'll get back to you another time you know like mm -hmm. that that's such a we we we're so hard on ourselves and it's so like uh, when we have a really pure intention that if you really look at most comics, you know, Jared, thank you for, for dialing in. I really appreciate having you on in the middle of this busy time and, you know, happy to hear about everything you got going on. Um, I know you already got like a, a huge following much bigger than this podcast, oh, but where can people follow you and, and, or, you know, pot, uh, anything you want to plug at besides Jared special Reed on Instagram. That's like where I put everything. Um, 37 singles on Netflix. And then, uh, yeah, I'm on the road. So like jaredfree.com, come see me talk shit about my family. Like, <laughs> awesome. Dude, if, thank if you, you so much. The, yeah. Maybe you'll be lucky. They'll visit. They'll be in the audience. You can watch them, watch Jared talk shit. Oh about my them. God. Yeah. My mom thinks it's the funniest thing in the world. She, it's like crazy. But, that's yeah. great. That's That's good that it, they're, they're pro your, yeah, they're your show good. talking about them. All right, Jared. Thanks so much for joining, man. Really appreciate thanks, it. Good buddy. luck. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon.